Welcome to our uh, midweek studies over here, early bird podcast sessions, Stefan Maia with you, addedsouls.com, the website, and uh, we're going through the book of Genesis, aren't we? We're in chapter 12 for this session, we're going to be taking a look at Abraham journeying towards Egypt, and there's going to be some wonderful information there you and I can read together on the screen and kind of have ourselves uh, ourselves a running commentary and... Uh, Kind of look at the inside of this uh, of the text and see what's going on. That all right? Housekeeping stuff. Be sure to subscribe, follow, like, share, rumble, comment. Blah 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 blah. blah. Lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my! And uh, once you've done all of that stuff, well, that helps individuals like yourself and I to um, move forward, to be found, to be searching. Isn't that okay? Uh, let me see here. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and following. Let me put that up on the screen. Before I do that, please consider signing up to addedsouls.locals.com. Uh, it's a freedom platform. You know, we can share stuff without the fear of being shadow banned or censored or all that kind of stuff that you'll find on bigger platforms that have a... Uh, Political agenda, if you wish. They are politically correct. Well, not over at addedsouls.locals.com. You can go there. It's the Added Souls community. And you can sign up for free and see the public stuff. And you can also decide to uh, support uh, for as low as five bucks a month or for as much as you want to. It's how I try to make a living. Try to put food on the table. I share live streams. I share uploads, articles, sermon notes, stuff like that. Some stuff I do publicly, and some stuff is obviously exclusive for supporters who support. And um, it'd be greatly appreciated if you consider doing that. It keeps us here active through the Added Souls Ministry as we work the mission field of East Coast Canada. And as I continue to uh, labor along with the East Coast Church of Christ. Isn't that good? That's a good thing. You want more information? Reach out to me, addedsouls at gmail.com. You can email me. We can have a video chat. We can have a phone call. Whatever is necessary to ease your concerns. And um, yeah, I had to throw that in there because it's what I do. It's what I do. Got to make a living. Eh? God takes care of us. That's the beauty of Matthew 6.33. If we just do the work, if we just do the work, he will take care of us. How? Well, it's nothing mysterious. It's through you and I, individuals who are in the church, faithful, compassionate, who have faith and know that um, they want to get involved and partake in a good work. So, again, consider signing up to addedsouls.locals.com. Okay, so in um, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and following, let me put that up on the screen here. We're going to read through that. There we go. Oh, I'm going to move that a bit more that way. All right. Slide in my video feed on the left. There we go. Now, the Lord said to Abraham. Now, before we got there, of course, our last session and everything's archived. You just need to go look in, uh, in our channel here, uh, the Added Souls channel. And uh, you'll find the archives that we've been going through with the Genesis study. Last we looked, last session was regarding the uh, Tower of Babel, right? And we did verses 1 through 9 in chapter 11. And we kind of skipped through verses 10 through 27. 
And I encourage you to read them on your own dime and time because it goes through the genealogy, the descendants of Shem, if you will. And it's important information. Again, I mentioned this last time. It can be tedious. It's a bit boring, if you will, until you tap into those names and you kind of look at the history of those names and the other locations in the scriptures where those names are mentioned. When I was in Bible school over at Southeast there in East Tennessee, it, uh, you know, we had ourselves studying these things. And that's when I found great appreciation for the information of the genealogies, the ancestries, and the descendants, and things like that. And you got to tap into a lot of aha moments. You know, aha, now I know why that name's here, there, and everywhere. So, by all means, please do that. But for our sessions here, and for the sake of our approach and the efforts, we're going to go into chapter 12, verses 1 and following, regarding Abraham journeying to Egypt. That good? Okay. So in uh, the first verse, it says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Oh, you know, um, there I am again, jumping the gun. Let's go to chapter 11 first, though. Chapter 11, the the, the, the last verses, just so we kind of get an idea here from verse 28 to verse... Um, oh, oh, now I've done it. What is this? Uh, I hit a button by mistake on my keyboard here, my keypad, and uh, I need to change it back. There we go. Let's go here again. There we go. We're back in business. Let me see here. All right. It's just because I needed to bring my Bible closer to me on the my desk here in the office. Okay, so chapter 11, verses 28 to 32, it says, Haran died in the presence of his father, Terah, in the land of his birth, in Ur. You are? Your? In, the la- in Ur of the Chaldeans. Abraham, well, Abram, at this point in verse 29, and Nahor took wives for themselves. And the name of Abram's wife was Sarai. And the name of Nahor's wife was Milka, or Milka, Milka, the daughter of Haran, 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 the father of Milka and Iska, these names, man. Okay, Sarah was barren. She had no child. Verse 30. That's it. Like, that's what verse 30 has, and it doesn't go any, like, short to the point. This is what's going on. Verse 30. Sarah was barren. She had no child. Verse 31. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarah, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans in order to enter the land of Canaan. And they went as far as Haran and settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. So it's important to kind of couple in verses 28 to 32 from chapter 11 into chapter 12 verses 1 and following it kind of so that you get a kind of platform or a footing if you will a footing context to chapter 12 verses 1 and following sarah was abram's wife we got that locked right okay sarah sarah couldn't have any babies her womb would not permit it we got that locked down good bang And in verse 1 now of chapter 12, we can move forward. 
Now the Lord said to Abram, remember this is in an age where God spoke directly. Directly. The information we are currently reading is inspired because Moses was an inspired writer. Now some through the doc hypothesis and various other theological circles and those who seem to liberalize the structure of scripture and its authors might want to try to deviate us from the fact that Moses wrote this, but true, genuine uh, scholarship would indeed understand Moses to be the writer of this information. But this came much later than the age, of course, in which Abraham was living through this experience. But we can understand it to be inspired. We know it. The evidence reveals it. And so we find Abram being directly spoken to by God. And God says, go forth from your country. See that there? See that there? Go forth from your country. So he was settled in a location where time was allowed to pass, in which seeds, security, household, right, ancestry, land, all of that had been anchored, had been taking place. He went as far as Haran and settled there. Now, of course, the Lord said to Abraham, go forth from your country. And it's important to understand the literature of this culture, that everything is not necessarily chronological, though you and I, with the Western mind in our culture, can chronologically find uh, a pattern. Uh, they didn't write in that way. Now, it does come together at times with a timeline. You know, this must have happened before the, this happened and stuff like that. But the writers of the day in their culture, in their age, uh, they wrote in a in the in in the fashion of uh, revealing a moment in history instead of well on January fourth, you know, that kind of stuff. So just that we keep that in mind. Okay, so now the Lord said to Abraham, "Go forth from your country." For you and I, right, trying to teach this in a way we can find practical thousands and thousands of years later. Here we are, you and I in the Western world, reading this ancient information, this ancient witnessed account, uh, and uh, how do we apply that? Well, you got to have faith in God. you got to have faith in God, and sometimes God will call you, no longer with divine intervention, as he would have spoken directly to Abram, but more so through the scriptures we read in the information therein, being called by the gospel. The gospel call is true, it is real, and it is done so when we allow the scriptures, living, breathing word of God, penetrate our thoughts, our mind into a change that activates an outward uh, uh, application, an outward uh, obedience, if you will. And um, that's important because at times we think, well, I can't do that for God. He's asking too much or perhaps other various excuses we might find under the umbrella of idleness. But the fact is, Abraham was a settled individual. We all know what that's about. Our community, our neighborhood, 
perhaps our state, right? Our province, our people, our ancestry, family. Grandma, grandpa, grand-grandma, grand-grandpa. Kids, children, grandchildren, neighbors. We have security. We've been working at the same place for decades. We have ourselves a house. We have security. We have financial security. We have independence with it. We, we, I mean, we've been settled here for a long time. Ever try to convince someone who has been settled in the same place for 30, 40 years to move? What about somebody who's been there for 200 years, 300 years, 400 years? <laughs> what do you mean I got to go forth? What do you mean? Um, my wife and I... We were born and raised in a location where, to be honest, at the time in my past life, I figured I'm just going to die here. I'm not going anywhere. Small place. Swept under the rug kind of a place. Uh, but God called through the gospel. When I began to read the scriptures and see the truth, and I knew I had to go forth. I needed to go places. I needed to experience life as a Christian trying to be faithful to my Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. And he's brought us to various locations, miles, hundreds and hundreds of miles away from my land of origin, if you will, right? We saw all kinds of things and we met all sorts of people solely based on our trust in God, finding ourselves in locations and places at times that were dangerous. We trusted in God. Now, of course, I'm a poor excuse to what's going on, but I had to find an illustration to share that it can be done. It's not that it can't, and Abram certainly has a more powerful account written here to the fact. Go forth from your country. Sometimes you got to do that. you got to go away from your hometown. It's not that everyone in your hometown is ugly and... And when I mean ugly, I mean wicked and evil people. Um, but sometimes there's influence there you need to go away from. Sometimes there are things there that'll keep you from being what God wants you to be in his kingdom. Right? I loved my friends. I loved my family. I loved my community, my neighborhood. Now, most of us were a bunch of heathens and pagans living life to the extreme, substance abuse and sexual deviations and criminal activity and all that kind of stuff. But I love them nonetheless. A heathen loves a heathen, okay? And there's love there. Love, sacrifice, self, uh, selflessness, all that kind of stuff can be found among those who live a heathen life. Well, it still stings. It still hurts. Now, I've wept my tears for many years, but I knew I had to go. I was not going to be able to be a faithful Christian remaining in the house I had purchased, in the land I had. It wasn't much, but it was still about six acres. And everything I had built there and been born and raised there. You don't think that was you don't think that was difficult to just sell everything off? Everything and go on this new journey for Christ? Let me tell you something. It's when I hear these Christians murmuring and complaining, I can't believe this is too hard for me. When they speak about just being on time on Sunday morning. <laughs> it's very difficult. That's when you got to be long-suffering. You got to be patient with these brethren and just got to be like, hey, listen, 
I understand. I understand. It's difficult. You got to hear the alarm clock and wake up and be on time for stuff. But believe it or not, this is real life. While in my mind, I'm like, <laughs> what have you sacrificed? You know, but it is what it is. It's kind of like the same thing with my wife and the hard work she does as a homemaker and a homeschooling teacher and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I just can't do that. You know, I just <laughs> really there's a, we've heard every excuse under the tree. We've been guilty of saying many excuses too in our past. Oh, don't I'm not speaking as a self-righteous hypocrite here. We've we've had our turn being being that way as well, haven't we? We all have. Here's the key though. You recognize it and you change. You grow. That's the, when you've been in the church 40 years and you're still going through those same circular excuses. I just can't go forth and settle anywhere else. I can't do anything. I have a hard time just being on time even for worship, you know. Oh, come on, man. Give me a break. Wake up. Give your head a shake. You know, it's time to change. It's time to grow as a human being for Christ, our Lord and Master. So go forth from your country. Sometimes you need to leave your hometown is what I get from that. And I see the strength of it. You trust in God, it can be done. It just can be done. And from your relatives, he says, oh, man, I could do the country part, but yeah, didn't you think that if you go forth away from your hometown, that that means you're going to be leaving your relatives behind? Some, listen, this is a truthful saying by the wisdom God has allowed us. And if you've been in the church, faithful therein, capable, capable of experiencing things, and you got this wisdom, you're going to understand what I'm saying. Many Christians in the church, been there 40 years, aren't going to make it to heaven. And the reason they won't be making it to heaven is because of the information we read right here and now. They've never let go their unbelieving family members. And I'm not talking about praying for them. I'm not talking about trying to get them to come to church or study the Bible. I'm not talking about anything that would be righteous in your motives. I've seen brethren who have been in the church for 30, 20, 30, 40 years, have always sided with their unbelieving family members, their children, their parents, aunts and uncles, cousins, whoever. They always sided with their unbelieving family members. And here's even how bad it gets. Some of their family members became Christians and decided to fall away from the local assembly and slander the local assembly and become delinquents and yet still these members remain faithful to their family members instead of their spiritual household it's sad i've seen it we've experienced it haven't we they've never become they've never grown they've never made faith their own independent uh, uh walk in life they've always been idle They've always chosen comfort. I've heard, I've heard members say that. I'm not going anywhere because I'm comfortable. Even in a local congregation where it's filled with corruption, both in the leadership and in the membership, filled with high-handed, rebellious, sinful activities, character flaws that are pridefully hidden and never exposed to, for repentance, all kinds of stuff like that. It's sad, but it's true. Most 
Christians will lose their soul when they appear before our Lord and Master because they just didn't want to let go their relatives. And I'm not saying it's an easy feat, but it can be done. I had to do it. I'd done it. It stung, stung like death, weeping and weeping and sorrow and sorrow. Because they'll persecute. Those you love will persecute you once you remove yourself from them for the purpose of God, the Christ, the gospel. And these who are idle in the church, they don't want to go through that because they've not made faith their own. That's why they'll stay there even if a very corrupt individual is behind the pulpit because they're idle, they're comfortable. They don't want to go forth from their country. They don't want to go forth from their relatives and they certainly won't go forth from their father's house. They won't do it. Their household, they won't do it. Again, from your neighborhood to your uh, uh, families, aunts and uncles and cousins, grandma and grandpa, to your own children, your own parents. They won't do it. They won't do it. And Abram here is being told to do so, to go forth to a land God will show him, to a land which I will show you. You don't know where you're going, but you need to trust me. And you need to go away from your country, your, re- your country, your relatives, and your house. Now, does every individual who obeys the gospel and chooses to follow their master, Jesus Christ, need to go away from their country, their relatives, and their house? Not at all. This is not, this is not a direct command for you and I today to be shown faithful before God. It, however, for some of us, it is. For some of us, it is. And you should be wise enough to recognize that. What did Jesus say? It's best that you pluck out your eye and enter heaven with one eye instead of both and being damned to hell. I'm making a, I'm butchering that text, but you, you know what I'm saying. It's better to, to, it's better to amputate sin in your life is the idea and enter into heaven amputated than it is to have all of your, uh, or have kept sinful facilitations into hell. Sometimes you have to go forth out of your country, away from your relatives and your father's house. And you have to do so in full trust that God's going to lead you somewhere. My wife and I, we had no idea where, where we were going. We had a little baby boy. My wife was pregnant with another child. We had sold off the house, everything we knew, our friends, our family, everything. And we moved into my parents' basement, small little basement there, unknowing where what the future had. My career was changing. I had to. My wife's life, everything. We didn't know where we were going. We ended up going all over the place, didn't we? God took us all sorts of locations. But we grew because we allowed ourselves to be submissive to His will and go with the gospel. Now, again, I'm a poor, a poor example, but it's the illustration that comes to mind. And I will make you a great nation, 
okay? See, it's not just to hurt you. You're going forth away from your country, relatives, and house to a land you don't know yet where you're going. It's not for nothing. It's not in vain. There is a blessing here. I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. God, if we trust in him, okay, when God speaks to us through the Bible for us, and he tells us through the Bible that we need to repent and change location, place, and friends, and everything, we need to change, we need to go away from country, relatives, and house to a place we don't know yet where we're going. But there are going to be a lot of blessings if you do that. It's not in vain. Because you'll be productive for God. And if you're productive for God over here, God will take care of you. Why do you think Matthew 6.33 is in there? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. If you look for a faithful local congregation that belongs to Jesus Christ, if you seek the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the church of Christ, within that kingdom, that church, if you find yourself being poor of spirit and humbly, desperately seeking the truth and you become a recipient of the truth and you obey the truth, friends, you will be taken care of because you will be among faithful saints who love you and want to make sure you're okay. And you'll be productive for Christ. You'll become productive for Christ, benevolent, evangelistic, united and loving. And you'll be able to go away from what is corrupt. You'll be able to recognize what is corrupt, what is filled with lies and hypocrisy, pride and self-righteousness. You'll be able to recognize that and go away from it. You'll become blessed. Abram had some initiative. He had some motive. His, his motives were uh, being facilitated. Okay, listen, you're going away from your security, from your hometown, your homeland, your people, but it's for a good reason. And I know I've not told you yet where you're going, but trust me, I'm bringing you somewheres for the right reasons and you will be blessed. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And he further says in verse 3, and I will bless those who bless you. All right? When you find yourself a faithful Christian in Christ, and you are productive in Christ, bearing fruit for our Lord and Master, submissive and humble, brethren who are like-minded in judgment, who are within the common salvation with you, they will love you and care for you and pray for you and practice benevolence towards you when you are in need and you the same for them. It's a blessing. If you're found down and out in a hard time in life, a very difficult and challenging time in your life, we are here for you. Again, go to the Beatitudes of Matthew chapter 5. If you are poor in spirit, the kingdom belongs to you. What is, in, what is the kingdom? It's the church of our Lord and Master. What is found in there? Faithful Christians. Yeah, you're going to find some hypocrites in there, some prideful, corrupt brethren. I know it. I've seen them. I know the damage they do. 
but don't take the broad brush and think all saints are the same. They aren't. There are some good Christians in there. And what will they do? If you mourn, they will comfort you. You will experience gentleness, kindness, right? You will, you will experience righteousness. I will bless those who bless you, God told Abram. And the one who curses you, I will curse. You don't need to practice revenge. You don't need to practice retaliation. You don't need to allow bitterness, vindictiveness, or hate in your heart. Envious uh, enterprise in your mind. You don't need to do that. Don't do that. It's sinful. Look, God is the avenger. And those who have betrayed you of your own kin and kind, those who seek to, uh, who have had bitter, vindictive hate towards you, you know, they smile in your face. But all the while, they want to take your place, backstabbers. Everyone who tries to curse you and give you this persecution, God's going to return to them just. You don't need to take justice in your own hands. God has all righteous justice in His. And He is perfect. His anger is self-controlled. His law is pure and right. So the one who curses you, God says, I will curse. And in you, he says, all the families of the earth will be blessed. If you trust in God and you obey his commands and you come out of your comfort zone and you go forth away from your country, relatives and house, you know, your hometown, your aunts and uncles, your cousins, your mom, your dad, perhaps, maybe even your brothers and sisters, grandparents, whoever, all of it. If you need to do that, whatever it is for you, maybe you need to uh, change careers in your life. Maybe you need to uh, uh, change the individuals you are currently friends with. Whatever, whatever the sacrifice is called. Listen, it's not in vain. And God will bless those who bless you and he will curse those who curse you. And in you, there will be ancestry. You know, when the gospel came to our shores back in the early to mid-80s, in a location where I was born and raised, it was not... I can only explain it through God's providence because where I was born and raised, no other religious view than Catholicism was allowed. And back then it was still very strict. Nowadays there's not much. There's there's like the taboo of any other religious view other than Catholicism is kind of gone. It's still here. Trust me, it's in the streets. It's it's deep in the culture, but not as much so. Today you can be what you want, when you want, wherever you want to. But there was a time, an era in my age when I was born and raised into, and my parents more so than I, my generation, uh, deep-rooted traditions in Catholicism and any other view would have been quickly removed. My parents had to go through that very deep and uh, sorrowful persecution. Nonetheless, my point, it came to our shores in the early to mid-80s, the gospel. And my father, who had a humble heart, enough so to question his ancestry and the traditions in Catholicism began to read the Bible and quickly saw that the Bible refuted Catholicism, rebuked Catholicism, 
and that our Lord and Master Jesus Christ very clearly pointed out that to be within the confines of Catholicism as a Catholic, you will never, ever see heaven because the doctrines of Catholicism have nothing to do with Jesus Christ. And I know that might sting if you're listening to me and you are a Catholic, but please know that me and my family were Catholics, and we're not speaking out of turn. We've not been, quote-unquote, brainwashed into a cult. We're actually made free. Our thoughts have actually been released from the shackles of what we once were, which was brainwashed into the ritualistic traditions of mankind found within Catholicism. And Catholicism, my dear friends, was birth with the endeavor to have political power and to make religion universal. I mean, that's what Catholicism is, Catholic, universal. Because they thought we can control the people if we take all matters of religion and politics and smash it all in together. Anyways, I could go deeper with that. I have shared many podcasts and deep studies regarding Catholicism. Here's, here's, here's the point to what I am sharing with you here, where it says in the Bible here, and in all you, the families of the earth will be blessed. Listen, I'm making an application to our day and age. The gospel made its way to a location I never thought it would in New Brunswick, Canada, Skidook, New Brunswick, Canada, in the early 80s, mid-80s. And my dad chose to read the Bible and believe the Bible and was converted to Christianity. And from therein, the chain broke from an ancestry of Catholics to now an ancestry of Christians. And so I, with my wife and my children, we are Christians. And we pray with the training we are giving our children that their children and their children. So now the Maya family has a branch of ancestry faithful to Jesus Christ. And those who are weak and those who are corrupt, they will die off. They will die off. They will not have a bloodline faithful to Christ. They will die off with the corruption. They will die off with corrupt individuals, and their names will not be found in the Maya ancestry of faithful Christians. You see what God can do for you? God will take care of you. God will take care of you. And, well, you know what? We'll finish there for today. We'll finish there for today because there's a lot of good information coming up ahead. And we're 35 minutes in. I don't want to go for the hour today. But uh, hopefully that'll give you uh, some stuff to think about, right? Some stuff to think about. I mean, let's just quickly recap here. You trust in God enough so that you're willing to do whatever you need to do to be faithful to God. You don't know where you're going. You don't know where this leads. But wherever it is, God will take care of you. Those who hurt you along the way, God has your back. But those who love you and take care of you along the way, God's going to bless them. And if you remain faithful, you will have an ancestry. Now, please understand, I am well aware that in the literal sense, some husbands and wives cannot bear children. So don't think me void of my friends 
along those lines. But it still remains true. You are capable of sharing Jesus with others. Even if you cannot produce from your own physical, biological bodies, ancestry, look into adoption. That's an option perhaps where you live. Look into those things. But that apart, that aside, you can still share the good news of Jesus Christ, which will indeed produce Christians, who will produce Christians. So though you may leave this earth as a faithful husband and wife, though not able to have children, you will have produced children for God, God's children, by converting souls to our Lord and Master. I needed to say that because... Don't ever feel that you don't have a part in the church just because you can't have children, okay? Anyway, a bit of an excursion there. I just wanted to make sure that nobody felt left behind when it comes to the practical sense of how we apply this information for our day and age. God will take care of you. You will have an ancestry. Whether it comes from your loins or not, it will be if you are faithful to Christ to produce Christians. Um, so yeah, you know, that's that's what I read there. That's been my studies, and that's what has encouraged me when my wife and I, again, we continue to journey this go forth. We are in this land, faithful to our Lord and Master. Some good days, some bad days. Some days, harsh persecution. Some days, blessings. Brethren who support us, support the mission work, support the church we've planted here, the East Coast Church of Christ, right? So um, that's all I got. I appreciate your kind attention. Hopefully there is some substance in the material I'm sharing with you, enough so that you would kindly decide to follow, like, share, comment, rumble, all that kind of good stuff, and sign up to our freedom platform, our community over at addedsouls.locals.com. It's free to sign up there, and from there you can choose to support. No amount is too small, no amount is too big. It helps me put food on the table for my kids. If you don't want to, you don't need to. But if you find value in that community over at addedsouls.locals.com, there is exclusive content there. I share articles, I share sermon notes, I share uploads, live feeds, and it's there where you'll find me being more vulnerable and transparent with you. I'll share my daily activities, the things we go through, uh, all that kind of stuff. And so you're getting something back for the money you're putting in there. And the money goes towards the gospel ultimately, because it helps my family remain fed, sheltered, and clothed as the Added Souls Ministry moves forward in the mission field of East Coast Canada here at the East Coast Church of Christ. That good? You are loved. You have purpose. And uh, we want you to stay focused and positive. Lord willing, we shall certainly meet again uh, tomorrow morning for a topical discussion. You can look at the itinerary if you find something in there. Some days you, you'd prefer listening to others, but the itinerary itinerary is there with all the information now we've been running at 8 a.m atlantic daylight time for many months if not over a year i don't know i have to look into that but there might be a change in the hour uh, coming september 
coming in September, we might have to push that to 10 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time. I'm not certain. But anyways, I'll let you know. That good? Uh, that's about it, yeah. So, uh, till next time, Lord willing. Peace out.